Hello and welcome. This is the Real Finance with J-Dub podcast. I'm Jeff Williams, founder and CEO of Little Woods Capital Advisors. And with me, as always, is my co-host, the always delightful and talented Shauna Monahan, licensed professional counselor and soon to be certified sex therapist. Ooh, yay. Yeah, man. <laughs> yay, can't wait. One day we're going to figure out a way to work, work that into the show. Okay, I'm ready for sex it. Sex and money, yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> And uh, she normally is literally running the show for us, but alas, today we have a, a special guest uh, as, a, as we continue with our series, Finance for People Who Hate Finance, colon, estate planning is priority number one. <laughs> and that guest is Landon Long. He's a senior associate at the law firm of Evans and Davis, uh, which currently operates in seven states. You know, I think it's nine now. It's but, nine? But we'll go with seven. Including D.C., right? In, including D.C. And congrats on that. You guys have been expanding really quickly. Yeah. That's it, awesome. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, trying to control it a little bit, but uh, we'll take over the world one of these days. Yeah, one day your boss will be able to slow down <laughs> for a change, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, they're not just strategic partners, but uh, friends of mine going back to my... Uh, early days in the notary business. And uh, we are both honored, excited to have you here. Talk to us about what will be the first of, I hope, many conversations about money and the law. Uh, something that doesn't get, uh, you know, two words don't often collide in the same sentence when we're talking about financial planning. So I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. So uh, welcome. And uh, it's great to have you. The, uh, the title of this episode is estate planning is priority number one. So Something some financial advisors usually don't come out and say, but I preach it mostly because of my experience in in the legal field. Uh, do you agree with that statement? Yes. Yes. And why? Yeah, no, it's a great question, and I think I think you're you're right that the wealth management industry as a whole doesn't put as big of an emphasis on estate planning as maybe we should. Um, I kind of take the approach of. You've, you've got to have your own house in order before you can start telling other people how to structure theirs. Um, and, and if you want to run the house analogy out a little bit, you know, I, I think of the estate plan as being something that we put together that sets up the framework for everything else. Um, you know, whether that's a will or a trust, you got to have something in place that fits your specific needs. Uh, we, we get to do a lot of deep diving um, what, what issues are out there in terms of family or money or things like that. And let us help you set up a plan that your other advisors come in and, and think, think of us as the architect and then your financial advisor comes in and sets you up with, oh, well, this is how we're going to invest your money so that it flows with the way the trust is set up. This is what's going to happen. If you're not here anymore, here's how the kids are going to get their distributions, but you got to have that foundation first. And so I think of the estate plan as the first step of many in terms of financial planning, wealth management, asset protection. Right. And it's interesting because once I started to work in the, in the notary field, um, that really kind of helped me to use the house analogy, the house is the, the financial plan being the construct, but the estate plan is really the kind of the bricks and mortar of that. And, uh, but it, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a situation where to do a signing and, you know, I'm in a medical facility and people are just waiting until the very last second before they even address this kind of thing. And we've talked about this in previous episodes and I basically say, no, the, the minute you become independent, when you can start, you know, you finish school, you have an income, that's when you really need to start to think about it. So, uh, we, we live in a world of misconceptions. I think we would all agree that um, each one of our industries faces tons and tons of misinformation. It gets worse every year. Um, you get the Google expert in the room. But but what that ends up doing is it produces a, a population of people that, that when you hear the word estate plan, they think of um, the, the very, very large estates. They think of the Bill Gates, the Warren Buffetts. The, the uber wealthy. Yeah, yeah. And they say, well, that's, I don't, the estate plan's not for me. That, that's that I'm not there yet. And the reality is, no, you are. Um, and, and whether you put the critical thinking and the time and the effort into creating an estate plan, you're going to have an estate plan. If you don't do it yourself, then the lovely state of Texas or the lovely state of <laughs> fill in the blank has one for you. Right. Um, and it typically isn't what you want to happen anyways. And so our job as advisors is to say, hey, listen, 
let's let's look at what you have going on and bring it down to a level that makes sense for you. You, you don't need to have 18,000 trusts like the Clintons or the Gates. You don't maybe you don't need that level of complexity, but let's get something basic in place because you need it. Right. I think it's also something that people don't think about until after they've kind of reached a level like they've built their empire, I guess, you know, to say or until they're much later in life. And unfortunately, then they put it off, 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 and then you get the position that you get called in on. Right, right. Yeah. And the the reason I mentioned earlier is that financial advisors really don't put that up front like I do is because people often associate financial advice with investments. That's the first thing that their mind jumps to. And what I try and instill in people is, no, this is, you have to worry about what's going to happen when the inevitable happens. So- and, and Jeff, to, to your credit, you know, uh, me on the estate planning side of things, I understand that, that to draft a will or to draft a trust, it's, it costs time and resources from the client that you as their financial advisor are, are giving up by saying, hey, go get your trust in place. You're, you're giving up dollars that you could be investing. You're giving up some of the client's attention that, that you could probably utilize to talk to them about this investment over that investment. But what it shows is, is the you and the advisors that, that are, are encouraging this, you're truly putting the client first. And, and there's not enough of that from financial advisors. There's not enough of that from attorneys. There's not enough of that just in, in the, the industry itself. And so, um, you know, it, it is, we're, we're all con- not, not competing for the same dollars, but at the end of the day, we, we really are. Um, folks like you that say, no, go get your estate plan done. You understand that before the dollars comes the client. And, and I think that that serves them on a much higher level than they're used to getting um, from other advisors. Well, I, pre- I, I always appreciate that kind of feedback. So <laughs> well, I'll take the credit when I can get it. Um, no. So talking about, we, you mentioned, uh, and, and I would agree with you that people, when they, when they think of wills and trust, they automatically think about people who have a lot of money. Whereas the most of my clients uh, aren't necessarily in that position, so why don't we talk about what do you think is is a good, you know, a basic starting point in terms of what you need absolutely you need to have, regardless of what your income level is, and uh, what what's the process to get to get that going. That's a that's a good question. That's a big question. Yeah, um, <laughs> but that's a great question. My my instinct when any client walks in the room is that they need something where they get to decide what happens, whether it's to their assets or it's to their kids, or they get to pick who's making medical decisions for themselves. At at the basic level, it's all about control. The client needs to have control, um, whether or not they're able to control it themselves. Now that can come when it comes to estate planning in a couple different uh, flavors, a lot of folks, you know, especially the, the, the younger, the, the new graduates from college, from universities that are kind of in that accumulation phase, they're going to automatically default to a will. A will's great. Um, it serves a purpose. You get to decide where, where your stuff goes. You get to decide who's going to raise your kids if you can't do it yourself. But at a certain threshold, and now we're kind of talking assets and income, maybe we start shifting away from a will and into a vehicle that we would call a revocable trust. If you go Google trusts, you're going to see that there's 18,000 types of trusts. Um, at the most basic of those is a revocable trust. And it serves a couple different purposes. The biggest one in Texas and in any other, in any other state is it's going to avoid the probate process. Let me, let me stop you for yeah. a minute because we try and, and, uh, break it down. Yeah. Well, uh, kind of speak in a language that yep. you and I, you know, I went to business school. I went yep. to learn the language of finance. You went to law school and that's a, that's a completely different language you learned for three years. So yep. start with what kind of break down what an, a revocable trust mm-hmm. is. And so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to break down what probate is first. Okay. Yeah. And then, and yeah. then I'll come back to that. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Go for um, it. So, so the probate process is where in Texas or any other state, if somebody passes away and they either don't have a will or the will is the only thing they have, we get to go down to the courthouse. Most states, including Texas, 
Um, it's really difficult to do that without hiring an attorney to do it. But you go down to the courthouse with your attorney, you say, hey, judge, uh, you know, something bad happened and Jeff passed away. Um, here's his will. It says everything goes to a spouse or everything goes to the kids. Um, or if he doesn't have a will, we'll just kind of follow Texas's default rules. But we spend a lot of time and resources simply getting the stuff where it's supposed to go. Untangling the web. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or getting the kids where they're supposed to go. Um, Your will is where you designate guardians for your minor children. If you're not here anymore, you want to pick who they go to. Um, So we do all of that kind of in the probate process. Especially if they're young. Absolutely. Absolutely. You you know, I'll, I'll, pick on myself for a little bit. You know, I've got a one-year-old baby at home. I think he's the cutest and smartest kid you've ever seen. (laughs) And, and, and I love my family and I love my wife's family and they all get along great right now. Um, I get along great with her family. I mean, we really are one big happy family, but I've seen it too many times where um, I'm not here. My wife's not here. There, there is just the potential for conflict everywhere. It's amazing the vacuum that's created when, when a life event like that occurs. I, I, I've seen it myself. Go ahead. Comment uh, and a story. I always tell my clients that there are three things that always cause people to absolutely lose their minds, and it's a marriage, a birth, and a death. It, those are the three times that you see everybody else that shows up for it just do craziness all over the place, right? But then the story is... Um, <laughs> As I was um, literally in labor uh, with my first daughter, I was sitting, having contractions five minutes apart at an attorney's table, signing who would take guardianship of my children. Should I? So to make sure that my parents were locked out of the deal and that the, all the attorneys are standing around watching me going, is she okay? And I'm like, no, I'm actually in. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> they had never really like. They had that happen before. But anyways. I, you know, that's actually, I, 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 tell I people, had to get it done. Yeah. I tell people it's really hard to surprise me anymore. Um, and, and I haven't, you can't tell me something I haven't heard before, but I actually haven't heard of anybody doing that. Yep. So, uh, yep. hey, I was, get it done. Right? Well, it, it, like, husband, this isn't, this isn't metaphorical. No, Shana. no, yeah. literally, yeah. Like, <laughs> literally. My, uh, my husband said, well, you know, this is the date that's available for the appointments on your due date. Are you okay with that? And I'm like, it's not going to happen on the due date. <laughs> Well, <laughs> like sure the, enough, the five, prophetic word, the 5% <laughs> yeah. of babies that come on their due date. There yep, you go. There it is. Yeah. Anyways, it's well, super important you, to us. That's how you make so. sure now you uh, schedule a, you know, an appointment with your that's estate like, planning attorney and you yeah. guarantee to give birth on the day of, yeah. of signing. Exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll bring the balloons and uh, we'll make <laughs> yeah. it a party. The it's a boy. Yeah, 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 exactly uh, there you go. Right. No. The it's a boy cigars. Yeah. yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> um, uh, bottom line is probate is it's think of it as judicial oversight of everything. What, what is kind of crazy and what's happening more and more is, you know, 20 years ago, it's not as bad, right? You want to find out what uncle Joe had when he passed away or your neighbor dies and you want to go see how much money they had. You got to get in your car, drive down the courthouse, say, you know, pay your 20 bucks to get copies of the documents from the clerk. And it's an all day adventure. Now, today, with where we are in, on, in, in so far as technology and all that fun stuff, there are, there are robots that are kind of troving the probate documents because it's all filed with public record. The very last step in a probate is I publish a list of the heirs, names and addresses, and I publish a list of the assets that they're going to get. There, there are people that are selling that data to... Um, and, and it's not all malicious, but a lot of it is. Uh, but they're selling it to um, people that are doing, have startup companies or um, you name it, the vacuum cleaner salesman. And, and they're starting to have all this data at their, at their fingertips, literally at their fingertips now. Um, and so the, the privacy factor with probate just isn't there. It's, it's all public. It's all public record. Um, Texas, uh, unlike some other states that we work in has passed some probate reform. Uh, And so it, you know, it's, Texas has a little bit more updated laws than some states we work in, but it's still not there. You're still looking at spending many, many months in probate court, assuming everything goes well and there's no fighting. And you, 
for those of you that have worked with an attorney before, the last thing you want is an attorney working by the hour for six, seven, eight months. You can just imagine the, the, the <laughs> charges of, by the word. Yeah. 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 Um, those, those emails that cost you $175 can, can happen really often um, when it comes to a probate and you're doing it for nine months and you don't have an option. And so we, we really start looking for ways to get away from that. Typically, th there's a few ways um, to do that. Typically, your best option is going to be a revocable trust. And so to your question earlier, break that down a little bit. Think of it as a bucket. Uh, you create this bucket and, and it's the Landon Long bucket. Landon Long then puts all of his stuff in this bucket. So I put my house in the bucket. I put my bank accounts. I put my, my brokerage account that that Jeff is managing. I put the, the life insurance. I put everything I have into this bucket. And when Landon Long dies, Landon Long doesn't own anything because his bucket owns everything. That, and so, uh, I'm sorry, let yeah. me, let me stop you for a second. So that would include anything that any accounts or assets where you could actually designate a beneficiary on your own. So that could be a life insurance policy, uh, a retirement account, whether it's an IRA or a 401k, you put those in the bucket as well? Yeah. So that's a great question. So if I have the capability of changing the owner to the bucket or to the trust, I want to do that just because it makes for a seamless transition. And, and I'll elaborate on that in a minute. There are a few things out there uh, that we do instead of changing the ownership, we do designate the, the trust or the bucket as the beneficiary. For your qualified accounts, your IRAs, your 401ks, can I change the ownership of that to the trust? Absolutely. But you're really not going to like me after I do that because <laughs> I will have created a massive taxable event and it, you're going to pay your income tax on that plus a 10% penalty because you probably weren't retirement age yet. And, and there, there, I've seen, I've seen practitioners do that before. And, and it is, it's scary that, that again, kind of goes back to some of the misinformation. If, if you're working with an attorney that doesn't just practice estate planning, you may just put put a little um, put a little pause there and just make sure that that they do understand a lot of the tax ramifications there. Um, but Jeff, yeah, if if we can change the ownership over, we absolutely want to do that. There are some things that we can't do. Right. The four hundred one ks, the IRAs, uh, a lot of your big banks are getting really difficult to work with. Um, doesn't mean they're bad. It just means when it comes to estate planning, we have to deal with not only what Texas law says, but also what the bank's policy is. Chase, uh, JP Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, a lot of times they really don't like us to change the ownership of a bank account over to the trust without issuing a new account number. Mm. Again, can I do it? Yeah, but you're not going to like me whenever all your auto drafts and your paychecks and all that are going to an account that's not owned by your trust. And so we'll go through and, and that's, that's half the battle is identifying what assets go in the bucket. If there's assets not in the bucket, then let's make sure that we've designated a beneficiary on them so that they all get to the same place without probate. The, the trust only works if all your stuff is in it or if there's beneficiary designations to get it in there. If I, if I, Jeff, if I did your trust and I didn't move anything to it, I've kind of created you a really nice car that has no engine. It just, it just isn't going to work. You're going to have to spend money or time getting all your stuff in to the trust. And you can do that now and you should. Um, but if you don't, we'll end up in probate court probating everything just to get it from Jeff's estate over to his trust. And so our, our practice, and I know a lot of other practitioners do it as well. They, they build into their, their cost, actual, the, the actual property transfers, the, the deeds, the title work, filling out the change of beneficiary forms. Um, my, my legal assistant is fantastic and can fill out a change of beneficiary form faster than anyone I've ever seen. <laughs> But she's an expert at that. My my client that is is the the plumber or the concrete business owner, that's not his specialty. And so we've just found it's it's an uh, it's an economies of scale. It's an efficiencies thing that it's just easier for us to take that burden on ourselves for the client. And then I know it got done right, 
and I know that it's going to work. And then I, I know we're not going to end up in the probate court that we're trying to stay out of. So two quick questions uh, that I thought of, and, and, and these are just kind of pedestrian. I was actually thinking about it as we, you know, cause I've dealt with this a lot. Number one, when you have a client, when one of the, uh, a client of Evans and Davis say passes away, how do you guys find out? Yeah. Uh, so 30 years ago, uh, we would file the wills in the public record or we would file a memorandum of the will. Um, that has definitely gone by the wayside now. And yes. so, so when somebody passes away, we're going to find out either because we have notifications set up on um, with a lot of the funeral homes in town and things like that, that we get daily obituary memorandums and things like that. Uh, it's kind of droll. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, my email at 8 a.m. in the morning isn't the most fun thing you've ever read. But yeah, do I have any clients on, <laughs> on the list here? That's great. Uh, I'll tell you the most successful thing we've done in terms of that is at our last meeting where we're kind of signing everything. A lot of the times the, the, the parents want to bring the kids in or they want to bring in their successor trustee or, or whoever it is. We give them our card, but we say, don't you can throw the card away if you want, but put our phone number in your phone. Cause anymore we keep the same, I've got the same, I've had the same phone number for 15 years. Yeah. Um, if, if you put the, our name in there and all you have to put is lawyer or estate planning attorney, um, that's going to ping people's minds to say, Oh, we probably need to call this guy and set up a meeting. Now the reality is I've given whoever takes over all the tools they need to do everything themselves. But sometimes it's an emotional, emotional time. And sometimes people want to come in and talk for an hour or two, uh, just to wrap their heads around what the heck just happened and, and where do I even start kind of thing. And so we are typically the first phone call. We don't always help with the trust administration or, or moving the assets to the kids or whatever it is, but we're, we're happy to, but, uh, that, that's a big question. Um, there are, there are some people that, you know, will go hide their estate planning documents in in a safe that the kids don't know about. And and it's it's difficult. I mean, it, it's hard to find. Now, anymore, we can go through, I mean, a client's going to have 50 emails from me. And so if the kids could get a hold of their email account, they could search the word attorney and maybe find our name. I mean, you can get real creative with it, but it's, it's tough. Yeah. I'm just thinking about going through my parents' email account. Good God. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So it's still very much on the shoulders of, of the supporting family. Or one of the things that I really emphasize with my clients is you need to appoint a point person. Yeah. You know, yeah. and what, you know, it's, whether it's an attorney, whether it's me or just somebody who's kind of above the fray, that would be ideal to, uh, to give them the responsibility to, to kind of flip the switch once, you know, once that happens. And then, well, and, and Jeff, you're, you're a, perfect example of, of somebody that like we get notified from our clients advisors probably more often than anything else, because unlike, unlike a client's financial advisor or their CPA that they, they legitimately need to see no less than once a year. Once I do your estate plan, we may not need to revisit it for two or three years. Now we, we probably want to look at it and, and make sure it's up to date. And if life changes in the meantime, yeah, we need it. We need a review, but I'm not going to see them every single year unless they just want to. And mm -hmm. I'm happy to do that. But a lot of times the, their other trusted advisors are going to know a whole lot faster than me. And their trusted advisors are going to know, oh, I better call Landon and just make sure everything's squared away, make sure that everything's as it should be. And, and the answer is typically, yeah, yeah. We're, we're good to go there. But um, you're a whole lot closer to uh, you keep in contact more regularly with the client and the client's family too. And so that's, we find out through that Avenue a whole lot more. Right. Right. So the other question real quick, um, I have a lot of people ask me what, what do I actually need to physically file with the, with the clerk's office uh, for, you know, the County, the state, what have you in terms of document. Cause you said once upon a time it, that used to be <laughs> the, the common practice, but now from what I understand basically really nothing gets filed. It just somebody has to stick it somewhere and somebody has to know where it is basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I have clients um, that, that come in and say, Oh, I, I just want it filed. So everybody knows it's out there. And I'm like, that's actually kind of the opposite. Yeah. Let, let's not do that. <laughs> um, mm. it, you know, 
the name of my trust is not the land and long living trust on purpose. If, if you want to go figure out where I lived or if I owned any rental properties or anything that is already public record, you're going to have to know the name of my trust to get there. Um, you can't just go, if you go search land and long in the county records right now, you're not going to find anything. And I, I did that on purpose. Now, some people don't necessarily care. Um, but when it comes to estate planning, they're really, the only thing that gets filed is a transfer deed from land and long as an individual to land and long's bucket. Um, other than that, we're not required to file anything else. Now, when somebody passes away, we need to go in and file, and it's called an affidavit of successor trustee, which are it's fancy lingo to mean whoever's in charge when you're gone goes in and says, hey, Landon passed away. I'm in charge now. He probably owned real estate in this county. I'm in charge of it now. And it just clears up the, the title record there, but that's it. Um, and and we, we want it that way. We, we want it. We don't want your bank and, and everybody knowing who's getting what we don't want them to know. Let's say you had a have three kids and you're, you're disinheriting one. Like that's nobody's business mm -hmm. that we don't, we don't want the world to know that we don't want your bank to know that if we can help it. And so we try to keep as much of it private as we can. Um, just cause it's, it, it is, it's personal. It's not, it's not something you want going around town and things like that. And like you said, it's, it gets out there. So suddenly a group of vultures come swooping in. Yeah. I know just being licensed in insurance or, or you having a law license, you have people calling you all the time, you know, yeah. offering this and that. Sure. And, and so I, I can only imagine what it's like when somebody gets word that you're about to, you know, yeah. inherit a pile of yeah. cash or something like that. So oh, yeah. I had a client spend $80,000 on stamps about six months ago. And, and, you know, doesn't sound like an unreasonable investment. I mean, stamp collecting. Okay, I was. I thought I wasn't sure where you were going with that. I was like, like, wait, whoa, like whoa. well, stamp collecting. <laughs> okay. Stamp collecting used to be um, really popular. I asked him for a copy of the stamps because I want to make sure. Sure. Quite literally, they're in his trust, and and it was eight and a half by eleven copy paper that was printed out. Though, the complete scam. Those are the types of people that are targeting uh, targeting these beneficiaries. Yeah. They're saying. Hey, I've got this new tech startup that if you, you give me a hundred thousand dollars, I promise to turn it into a million. Right. And I know you have the money because I see this document. I, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, don't, mm. You can't say, I don't have the money for that. I know you, and, and you can imagine how persistent some of those people can be. It's, it's tragic. Have you ever had, this is such a, you know, um, like armchair question, but have you ever had someone come in with a family member or some, something like that? And you can clearly tell they're kind of under duress. Uh, it, it has happened. Really? Um, now oh, that must be terrible. So, and, and when you say under duress, like you, someone's you forcing like, them mm -hmm, to make yeah. changes or, yeah. yeah. So my first move is to kick that person out of the room because if, if you came in and, and your adult child came with you, you're still the client. So I only have a duty to you. I don't have a duty to your daughter. I don't have a duty to your son. I don't have a duty to the, the, the nurse that's taking care of you on the weekends. My duties to you. So if I sense that I'm kicking that person out of the room immediately, and then we're going to, we're going to ask a lot of questions because I'm not going to allow, if, if I feel it, unless I can get pretty certain proof that that's not going on. There's a vibe you can probably yeah, there get. They're is. talking over yeah. them. Mm -hmm. They're t putting words in their yeah. mouth. Yeah. And, and, and they're, they're very quiet because mm -hmm. I've encountered that. Yeah. And, and that can be, it's hard to say no. Yeah. Because yeah. usually somebody else brought, you know, sometimes someone else brought you to the table and, and the person who's doing all the signing is just kind of sitting there. And I'll usually be like, okay, uh, yeah. you know, your, your grandson told me to, he hired me to come and, you know, notarize this document for yeah. you. Um, do you understand what you know, that explain I, it very clearly? Yeah, to I, you, I yeah. cut right to them sure. and, and just kind of forget who else is in the room. And it's 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 not easy when you got, no. you know, people kind of kind of leering. And, and you can use context clues too to kind of figure out what's going on. You know, if 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 mom has two kids and one kid's not here today and that kid also is getting disinherited for some reason, mm. red flag, right? right. Now, now if, if one kid comes in and she says, I want everything split 50, 50 and the kid that's there says, yeah, that's, that's what we want to happen. You know, now, now I'm not as concerned, but, but really anytime the client brings anyone with them, it could be a kid, a, uh, it could be a parent, it could be whoever it is. 
that that is something that that we as attorneys have to be on guard uh, to make sure that that's not going on because you know that that's where we get in trouble ourselves yeah okay that was a good question though I don't know. let me cut back so uh so as far as the essential having the essentials you mentioned the revocable trust yeah. but but I know that a trust is more expensive sure. to set up if you once you bring that into the portfolio so uh, let's just assume we have somebody who doesn't have a lot of money and, okay. and was leery of, of speaking to an attorney for that reason, because yeah. they, they just thought it was going to be too expensive for them to put something together. So um, what, what should you have at the very least? Yeah. So, so at the very minute, well, I'm, I'm going to address that point and then go on a little bit. So in terms of, of, attorneys and how they bill and things like that. You know, a lot of, we do, we do a lot of flat fee work on estate planning, whether it's a will or a trust or whatever it is, because I've done 600 trusts. I know how many hours it's going to take for me to draft that once I know the complexity of what's going on. No, once I know the family dynamic and what all's going on, it takes me about the same amount of time to draft a trust for the, for the husband and a wife as it does to draft a will for the husband and a wife. The added cost of the trust is usually the funding, the the putting stuff in the bucket. Um, and so that, that's our variable there. But for somebody, let's say somebody comes in and they don't own any real estate because uh, real estate's usually, you know, once you own a piece of property, you're going to want to start looking at a trust. But let's say they don't own any real estate. They've got $100,000 in the bank and a life insurance policy. Pretty simple estate. Uh Maybe they don't need a trust. Maybe maybe they do for other reasons. They have minor kids that they need to delay the distributions to, something like that. But assuming nothing like that's going on, you need to have a document that you decide where your stuff goes and how people get your stuff. You can do that in your will. You can do that in your trust. But that's kind of the bare minimum. The other things that you want to have are a financial power of attorney. What happens if I fall off of a ladder and I've, you know, I don't think my wife will get mad at me for saying this, but she hasn't paid a bill in a while. She hasn't physically logged on to pay the bill. Um, I handle a lot of that, but if I get fall off a ladder and get knocked out and my mortgage company is used to only dealing with me, if she calls in to pay the bill, they may say, and who are you? Mm. Or why is the mortgage only in your name? Well, it was just convenience at the time or whatever it is, but because it's only in my name, now she's no longer legally authorized to deal with it. The financial power of attorney is going to give her the authority there. Or if she needs to make a change to my 401k, well, I'm the only owner of that 401k. That power of attorney is going to allow her to go in and, and do whatever she needs to do if I'm unable to do it myself. And not just that, but run the gauntlet first yeah. to, to even get to that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, she calls my banker and says, Hey, I need 200 bucks out of that account. That's just in his name. My banker's going to say, sorry, yeah, not going to happen. But it's just $200. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. where's the, where's Still. the, where's the paper? Yeah. yeah. Um, you want to have the same thing for financial or uh, good grief, uh, healthcare decisions. I fall off of a ladder. So do you guys handle that part as well? Like medical Abs power? Okay. Absolutely. That, I had that question Absolutely. earlier. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and really, you know, while a trust or a will is going to be very, very custom tailored to the client and their situation. A lot of these other documents are, are more prone to being formulaic. You know, I, my healthcare power of attorney is going to look a lot like yours. Maybe we have different names on it. Um, my point being, these aren't expensive things. It's right. not very complex. No, yeah. it, it's not. Checking, checking boxes mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my wife asked me, she said, because uh, I don't exactly have a lot to put in the bucket for her right now. But uh, in terms of medical decisions, because that's very important for us because I had open heart surgery a few years ago yeah. and, uh, you know, we just automatically assume that the law says that the doctor, I mean, she thinks because the doctor came and talked to her first while I was in surgery, that, that's who gets that she, yeah, that she's the one that's going to be able, she's going to yeah. have to make the decision. So why would, why would it be good for me to have a, a medical power of attorney right now at this moment? Yeah. Designating her, even though the, I'm guessing the law kind of makes her by default, but can you explain that a yeah. little bit? Uh, well, and, and, you know, Jeff, you sound, and I, it's getting a little personal here, but I'm, I'm assuming there was some type of, here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> some, some <laughs> type of, yeah. some type of formal marriage or ceremonial marriage or something that, that made you husband and wife, right? Well, that's not the, 
that's not the re and, and you're going to know more about this than, than me, but that's not the family dynamic always. Right. Yeah. I, I may have been living with my wife for 30 years. I call her my wife. We have kids together. <laughs> all of our assets. <laughs> I call together. her my wife. <laughs> but the state of Texas may not recognize her as my wife. Right. Yeah. Um, what happens if my wife and I are both in a car wreck together? Right. We want to have some backups listed there, but more than anything, it just, it, there's no, we don't always have the luxury of time whenever a medical decision, decision needs right. to be made. And you don't want the doctor trying to track her down or, or trying to verify that she actually is your spouse or worried about any of that stuff. You just want him to see that paper, say, okay, what, what am I going to do here? Right. You know, he fell off the ladder and it's between surgery A and B, make the call. We're going in there in five seconds. You got a lot of ladder fallers. I think it's because of the scaffolding outside. Yeah, it's just yeah, in that, his brain right yeah, now. You know? yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel like car wreck is like, like the common one. Probably. Like, like how, how, many, how many times has your dad or a family member fallen off of a ladder? I think it, I think it happens way more than car wrecks. We don't put them on ladders. I, we yeah, have, no. they just stay away from they, ladders. They yeah. have to stay away. Yeah. Um, I I did want to because this came up for me actually recently. Um, I'm guessing as far as financial and medical goes, if you have you know on those forms, I know you list uh, secondary yeah. uh, appointees. Um, what happens in the in the event of uh, whether it's financial decisions or medical decisions? If that that primary designee is uh, is unavailable, um, does it automatically default? Yeah, slip next down to the next yeah. tier. Kind of like because I think of it, you know, from a financial advisor perspective, I think of it. Okay, like kind of like primary and secondary yeah. beneficiaries. Like if the primary beneficiary is no longer living, then it automatically goes to to the next in line. Yeah. Is it how does that work in terms of the the powers of attorney. Yeah, so, so good point. And, and point my, my first point to that is yes, you're correct. It's, it's an automatic kind of next in line type thing, which is exactly what you want. Now, my second point is you got to watch out for some unintended consequences. Um, I've seen this happen. You see it happen more with, with guardians, um, but it happens with powers of attorneys too. You know, how do we have people designated on there? For a, a husband and a wife, it's pretty simple, right? You're, you, typically, you're going to list the spouse first, and then the backups is where it gets tricky. For me, let, I'll, I'll pick on myself now. Let's say my my beneficiary designation or my um, power of attorney designation says Cassie Long first, and then Mark and Randy Long. Well, how am I supposed to read Mark and Randy Long? Is it is it jointly? Oh. Is that a joint decision yeah. that they have to make? Do they together? have to agree? Do they both have to be at the same place at the same time making? Is that it decision? an either or? Right, and mm. and think about it in terms of guardians. That's where that's where it yeah. gets real tricky, because let's say, so I've got a one year old, love him to death, he's awesome. If my wife and I aren't here, he's going to go to somebody else. Well. Not this is not a factual situation, but let's say he's going to go to my sister. We'll pick on her now. If I list Lacey and Clay Jones on my designation, I need to be really careful because what happens if Lacey's mm. not here anymore? I love Clay. He's he's an awesome awesome but brother. Do you want a single dad? Right. Yeah. Who has yeah. three kids of his own? Yep. Raising my son too. And nothing against him, but that's not blood either, right? right? And so, or some people kind of go the other way and say, well, my kids are crazy and there, <laughs> there has to be two people there. Like, yeah, if, if that would gonna, be me. Yeah, <laughs> my mom and dad could handle him if, if they were both alive and both happy and together. Yeah. But maybe he's too much for just one of them to handle on their own. And it's the same thing with your powers of attorney decisions. You, you got to make sure that, if you're going to have backups that they're listed correctly, because you can get some pretty gnarly unintended consequences. So here's a, to throw a wrench in this even further, the people that we named um, are a married couple, not blood, either one of them. So what if they divorce? Yeah, ah, I see, know. we left a big door open there. Right. Womp womp. Well, and, and so <laughs> what, what happens is we kind of go back to where we started with. So you had an opportunity to make your decision. And, and it's not up to you to know all these ins and outs. It's up to your advisors to be like, okay, what happens if they get divorced? But, yeah. but you had your opportunity to make your decision with, um, with the advice of counsel. 
your decision just didn't work because you listed it incorrectly and there's a divorce. Well, who's going to make that decision? Right. We're, we're going to have to ask the judge. Gotcha. Typically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just quickly walk me through it. So the, <laughs> you assign on the, in terms of just looking at the list in the document, you, you have a primary designee to handle whatever affairs we're talking about, whether it's money or, or medical. And then you have the secondary, yep. you know, usually I, I see it laid out like that. There's the primary mm-hmm. and there's like one, number one, number two, in terms of like the secondary people. So does it just, just kind of roll downhill or like I said, once, once the primary is taken out of the equation, let's assume that happens, then those two other people listed there, where does the law say it, it shifts first or does it say it could be either one? Yeah. So if, you know, if it just says, um, you know, Cassie, in my example, Cassie first and then Mark and Randy, which are my, my mom and dad, um, as the backup, if it just says Mark and Randy, my guess is, cause now we're, we're probably in a time crunch situation, right? Because maybe there's a medical decision that needs to be made or whatever it is, probably, mm-hmm. um, they're probably going to require the decision of both. Now, if, if my mom's out of the country on vacation, they're probably going to accept my, my, my dad's decision. A lot of that though is going to come down to hospital policy. Um, oh. and the hospital policies are going to try to line up with the Texas laws and, and they okay. typically do. All right. Um, but you know, let's, let's not even, you know, my knee jerk is let's not even get there and let's just make sure it's all spelled out correctly from the instance, uh, from the, from the get go. Um, well, I would say that's a good idea because whoever it is, is going to have a relationship with you personally sure. rather than some faceless hospital administrator. Sure. You know, and, and it's just, it's, emotional and it is. Know, we don't we don't need to be making these decisions when the emotions are already in play let's make them with a clear head let's get it out there um and and you know some people may not like the decisions that we make um i you know if if i leave my son to one sibling over the other the other sibling may be mad or, or they may be throwing a party i don't know but uh, <laughs> you know we may be making decisions that make people unhappy but at least we got to make the decision and the you know they can be mad if they want, but they can't do anything to challenge it. It's, it is what it is. See, that's something that, and was a question on my mind is I've often heard that people can have a will, a trust, they can have all the paper in the world. Someone can still try and contest it in court and often get it changed. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. There are, you know, there are situations where a a testamentary instrument, a will or a trust can fail. Mm. Um, Let's say, let's say, my wife and I, and this, this will get to, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later with community property states, which Texas is, but let's say I live in Texas and uh, my wife and I got married when we had nothing and now we have stuff. And I draft a will that says I leave everything to my brother and not to my wife. Well, I can say that in my will all I want. Nine times out of 10, my wife can come in and take half anyways, yeah. because it, it was community property. It was marital property. It, it, she's entitled to half of that. So, so some of that is just uh. operation of law. Now, let's say, let's say mom and dad come in and they they disinherit Joe because Joe has had some problems or, or whatever it is. Poor Joe. Yeah. Picked on Joe so oh, much today. Yeah. Man. Well, he's been an uncle and now he's a kid. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> he's been demoted. Joe yeah. through the ages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Could Joe come in and contest a, a properly drafted and signed will or trust? Sure. He can come pitch a fit if he wants. Um, Not always going to be successful, though. No. And it's going to cost money, too. Yeah. Right. So. And, and, you know. Joe got a settlement from falling off a ladder. Right. So yeah, that's ladder, where he got yeah. the money, too. He was a ladder, <laughs> was a ladder follower. <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, or, or let's say Joe gets 10% and his brother gets the other 90%. And Joe says, man, that's not fair. I think I should have gotten half. Can, can Joe contest that for sure? Now, we have opportunities to build in really strong contest provisions. Um, and, and we do regularly that say, Joe, if you want to fight what you're going to get? You can fight it. But if you fight it and lose, you lose everything, not just. Now, do the- you do you recommend that? Like, do you see what they're trying to do? And you say, you know, we might want to put this in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or do you just automatically do it? <laughs> I'm going to automatically do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's probably a good plan. If, if a client is like, and, and some of it's strongly worded sure. um, on purpose. And if a client's like, I really don't want that in there, I'm going to say that's, that's, 
Not, but a, you need to. That's against my advice. And yeah. if you want me to take it out, I'm good with that. I'm probably going to have you sign a waiver saying that I told you this was a bad idea <laughs> because I don't want it blown back on me in the future. Right. But a, a great example um, occurred eight or nine months ago. Um, a, a, a dad left about 5% to one of his daughters and the rest to the other three daughters because this one daughter just had her own problems and, and she said some things over the years that just didn't go well. Hmm. Um, she hired an attorney. The attorney called me and said, we're going to contest this trust. I said, great, come on, you can contest it. I sent over the contest clause that was in the trust and that's all I sent to the attorney. The attorney called me and said, okay, I, th I think we're happy with what we, you know, <laughs> with what we're getting. Cause, cause the attorney, I mean, and, and the attorney was a good attorney. He just, he just realized. He just oh, saw it and he, went, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, it's he, a hard stop. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, and you know, it, that's what you want though. Yeah. Like you, that attorney's like, I got my fee. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's not meant to be, it's yeah. not meant yeah. to be warm and cuddly. It, it's, it's supposed to be cold decision yeah. making. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. is. At it that is. point. Yeah. So. It, 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 and you know, everyone is capable of making mistakes. I'm, I'm, I've made plenty in my life. Um, our office has probably made mistakes just like everyone else. But of I, we tried to count the other day. We're probably up to five or 6,000 trusts now that are out there. We haven't had one breached yet. Now, wow. is, is it possible? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying we're perfect, but um, a well-drafted trust or a well-drafted will can be contested, but the contest is usually going to fail unless right. you're doing something that the law says you can't do. You gotcha. can't disinherit a spouse completely um, unless they agree to it. But uh, there, there's a, you can't, well, and we'll, we'll get to some of that later, but there's, there's just a few things you can't do. Uh, other than that, your, your trust or your will is kind of your playground and you get to do whatever you want with it. Well, that's, that's a good segue. Um, is there anything that's unique in Texas law um, that's, positive or, or is there anything that you feel like should be in the law? You guys should feel be in the law yeah. that they don't address. Um, Texas is a really interesting state to practice in. Um, it, it is try Louisiana, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Napoleonic code, you know, <laughs> not only is like all the architecture and the art French, but so is their law. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is absolutely crazy. Um, Texas. Oh, well, well, careful. I'm from, I'm from Louisiana. Just <laughs> he said hey, crazy yeah, in the nice way. I, yeah, yeah, I know. You know? <laughs> I, I, hey, I, I have enjoyed my time in, I've been to New Orleans a handful of times. I try to stop through there every time I go to Florida. I've enjoyed it. I'm not, not knocking. And it. we'd love to have you Landon. We I just, really do. I just don't know that, uh, I just don't know that I can read your laws. So no, I, I leave that. My dad, we leave that to him. Good. So, so yeah. I can call him if I have any problems. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, hi, Dad, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jeff's Dad. <laughs> um, Texas is one of, depending on how you count, one of eight or one of nine community property states. Um, all the other states are what we would call common law states, but community property states, um, I think you could boil it down to being they have very, very strong protections for the, the unity or the sanctity of marriage. Uh, whether that's in divorce or in death, it is really difficult in Texas to um, disinherit a spouse. It's really difficult to shift assets away from the spouse if they are acquired during marriage. So that and that's the that's the key yeah. asterisk yeah. to the point because right. if one of them, let's say you have a relationship where the you know where let's say before I got married I I owned a house and then. I married my wife and then she moved in with me, obviously yeah. that could be considered, uh, an asset, you know, specific to me that, that would make it difficult for her to get a piece of that. If we got divorced, is that yes. And yes and no. So, okay. so you started with the asset before you got married, right? Then we get to see what has happened to the house after that. Let's say, let's say you, you own the house in, in 2000, you got married in 2001 and heaven forbid there there's a divorce that happens in 2030. Mm -hmm. Well, in 2000, the property, you know, what was the property like? Let's say it was worth $300,000. And now in 2030, we're, we're 30 years down the road. The property is in, in a highly appreciate, appreciating area. You've redone the kitchen and the bathrooms and all that fun stuff. And now it's worth 600000 
Well, now we get to play a fun math game and we get to decide how much of the growth in the value of that property is attributable to your marriage. Um, now we can, we can play the numbers game and say, well, I paid for the kitchen and the bathroom. Part of it was just market appreciation. And yeah, maybe we can get you there where it, yeah, that is still your separate property. Um, but a lot of times we're not going to be able to do that because you as spouses both, you know, you both were ripping out tile in the, in the kitchen. You both put in joint funds into the new vanity in the bathroom. So the maintenance and the bills. Yeah. So yes and no on that. Um, so the state that's, but that's in the, in the eye of the state of Texas, right? right? You, you've, you made that yeah. commitment. So you, you are basically entitled to a, yeah. to a piece of the, the effort yeah. that went into it. Yeah. yeah. It's really easy to under, in a community property state to accidentally commingle stuff. Uh, and what I mean by that is let, let's say, say your, your wife receives a large inheritance from her family if she does something that I would probably not advise and, and put that in a joint bank account or put it in um, a joint brokerage account with you or what, whatever it is, we have very likely done what we've, we've changed it from what was her separate property into community property. And so it's really, you know, unless it looks like she's granting joint access basically. Uh, yeah, to so it's yeah. hard to defend at that point. Absolutely. Now, gotcha. now, can we go in and get, you know, let's say she gets $100,000 from her parents and she puts it into your bank account that has $50,000 in it. 10 years down the road, we, my wife and I get a divorce or whatever it is. Can we go in and hire a forensic accountant to go in and, and do the math and all that fun? Yeah, maybe. Um, is it going to be worth it at the time? I don't know. Um, but it's really, it's really easy to commingle stuff unintentionally. And, and some people want to commingle everything and that's great too, as long as you know it going into it. <laughs> It's the, it's the, oh, I shouldn't have done that 10 years ago. Uh, maybe not. But so that kind of gets into a question that I had was um, something that we've talked about in previous episodes is um, kind of having an eye towards empowering women with their own finances. Yeah. So are there ways that you see uh, Evans and Davis doing that with their female clients? Yeah. So, you know, it, I would say 90, no, that's not fair. 85% is fair of our clients are, are married couples. Um, I don't always meet with both spouses just due to scheduling or whatever it is at first. But if I'm going to do an estate plan for both spouses, I've got to have both their participation and I've got to, I'm going to have to have them in front of me at some point to sign all the documents. And so right. let's say, let's say I do just meet with the husband um, and, and he kind of runs the show on the finances and, and things like that very common. Maybe he's the business owner, maybe the mom's at home with the kids and, and just can't get away or can't find a sitter or whatever it is. This is deja vu. I know, right? It? Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. We basically said, <laughs> okay. I was saying the exact same things you were running off just yeah. now, but yeah, go ahead. The, the very first thing I'm going to do after that meeting is I'm going to send the wife an email that says, Hey, I'm so sorry. I missed you. Here's what we talked about. And, and basically give her a rundown of the, the 15 conversation points that we had during the meeting because I want her participation. Um, you know, I don't, we don't ever touch the investments themselves. Like I'm never going to ask her, you know, do you want to be in a stock profile that looks like this? It's just not, not what I do, but, but I want to, I want to bring them into the conversation as much as I possibly can because the life expectancy of the male and you probably know the data. I don't, but I just know it's a lot lower. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a point where we're winning. There, <laughs> yeah. There, there's a very, very, very high likelihood that I'm going to die before my wife. Now she is going to cringe when she hears this, but, but it's just true. Um, I'm good with it. Cause I don't think I'm, I'm not going to try to beat the statistics, but what that means is, is I want her and I want all of my female clients that have a better life expectancy to know what the heck happens whenever their husband dies. Because I, you know, I, I have a lot of, I have way more widow clients than I have. What's the male term for a widower, widower, widower yeah. clients. Um, five years longer than a man. Yeah. I have it right here. Yeah. Okay. We, but yeah. Like I said, I, we, I wasn't okay. going to scoreboard, but all right. All right. Cool. And, all right. And, this is, and that's, and that's why I, uh, Evans and Davis is always my first call whenever we address this part of the financial plan, because we have a, we have almost exact same uh, sensibilities yeah. as far as getting everybody 
into the conversation, you know? Nothing makes me happier than, I mean, gosh, that is the wrong way to start this sentence, but nothing <laughs> makes me happier when, whenever, if a wife does lose her husband, she comes in my office and she's like, oh, I remember we're going to do this, this, and this. And it's, it's her having that recollection of this is what I'm supposed to do because that means that I've done a good job of preparing her for that moment. Right. Um, and, and it sucks. You just lost your husband and, and you, maybe you were with him for 40 years or maybe you're with him for 10 years. Uh, it doesn't matter. It still sucks. And it's the last thing you want to worry about. Yeah. yeah. Now, the way that you're setting this up, that a lot of your examples, and I'm not trying to you know, point any fingers at you or anything, but the way that you're kind of setting it up is almost assuming that the husband was making the majority of the money. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to do that intentionally, but, but that is a fair point. So do you see, well, what I was going to ask is, do you see a difference then in the planning process when it's actually the wife that's making the majority of the money? (laughs) Yeah. And what does that look like? Uh, The wife makes better decisions. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) um, is she st- is she running the show too? Because that we we talk about that as well. Just the uh, culturally, we're still stuck in another time in terms of you know how, the man how runs the show. There are a lot more women in more male dominated fields making yeah. more than they used to, but somehow still abdicating the financial decisions to the male in the relationship. Uh, yes, okay. I I think that this is. We're, I guess we're gonna we're just going there. We're just going there. Yeah, yeah. I I think that that the the woman's attention to detail when it comes to estate planning is so much more acute. They, they are so much, if, if they participate, they participate at a much deeper level. Gotcha. I see that much more with the, um, when it, whenever you do have the, the, the female that maybe earns more. Um, and, and I enjoy that because it, it it's kind of like, not that lawyers are artists at all. And I'm sure the artist listening is cringing right now, but but (laughs) the documents that I put together, um, I have a lot of clients that don't read them. Oh yeah. But the ones that do, and they, the ones that find that, that, they'll ask you about this or that comma that, that, that they don't know if it fits there or not. Like it's, it's like you're appreciating the art that I put together. Yeah. I will say that I get that a whole lot more from the wives in the relationship. And, and I appreciate that a lot more. I have to answer way harder questions because, because the, the guys are like, ah, it looks good to me. I've, I've <laughs> no, I'm, I'm on to the next one. I've noticed that trust, sitting yeah. in meetings with you guys yeah. that how much more engaged they are. And it's, it's because it's we're, cool. we're, we've learned to be distrustful of men. Don't blame me. <laughs> I don't blame Other you. guys are like, ah, he's good. He's doing a great job. I love this guy. And women are like, mm, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I can't blame you. There's got to be one right. skeptic in the room. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So then the next question that I had um, was, um, you know, up until recently, Texas had the Defense of Marriage Act. And we're now, since 2015, you know, we're recognizing same-sex unions. So how is that changing the face of what you do. Yeah. So, um, I, before, prior to the Obergefell case, that was a Supreme court case that got rid of all that. Um, there was no one that needed an estate plan more than a same sex couple right. because the law didn't protect you in any way. So, so, so <laughs> Talk, taking it all the way back yeah. to the hospital and everything. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. if the law doesn't protect you, then you've got to protect yourself. Sure. Um, when, when it comes to estate planning in that manner, because that's kind of gone by the wayside, um, which, you know, is, is fantastic in a lot of ways. It's, it's actually made their, um, an estate planning for a same sex couple pretty similar to what, what it would be with, um, with, with a husband and a wife. Okay. And, and, and I'm glad to see it because it, it was, you know, I don't know how deep we want to go into the tax code, but, but let's say, um, prior to Obergefell, a husband and a wife have what's called an unlimited marital deduction, which means, mm. I can, I can pass assets back and forth to my wife tax-free. I could give her a billion dollars tomorrow. She could give it back tax-free. It was awesome. That was not true for a same-sex couple. And yeah. so when people pass away, we have to be really careful, or we had to be really careful how their estate plan was set up because there were, there were tax disadvantages to being a same-sex couple mm. uh, because it just it wasn't recognized everywhere. And so in a lot of ways, it's taken what used to have to be really complex planning and made it more simple. And, and it, it's, it's equal and it's fair and it's as it should be. That's nice. Um, but yeah, that, that's a really interesting question. It, we used to have, um, 
I mean, their estate planners had specific marketing products specifically for um, the the same sex or the LGBT. It'd be community. a very yeah. yeah very niche market yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah, um, and you know, and twenty years ago, I mean, the the, the estate planning world was male dominated by old guys, yeah. and and. You know, they probably know. didn't want to deal with a lot of those crazy people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's those exactly. baby boomers, man. I'm telling <laughs> That's you. That's right. Oh, no. Now millennials. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so it, it, it's great. It's, it's awesome that I don't have to go to all these extra steps, which takes more time, which means my fees are higher. So here's my I, question. I get to though. bring it all back to the same kind of level. That's good. So now that it is more recognized, more widely and uh, more common, does that mean that you feel like you've seen fewer of those people coming in because they don't necessarily need the protection that they used to? No. Or is I, it almost more now? Because I, 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 I don't know that I've noticed a significant oh, change um, either way. I mean, I think, I think there were there was a, a select group in that community that that understood. Yeah. I, I think that there's just a lot of bad information out there that I don't know that that. F- everybody understood some of the tax ramifications of, of not being able to file a joint tax return or, or what, what or that even, really even worse, yeah. you know, what happens when you die and, and we don't have the same tax efficiencies that we have for, for a joint couple. Gotcha. Um, so I haven't, haven't noticed a huge change. Um, obviously, you know, clients that it, it, it's, it's becoming much more accepted. And so clients are, are more willing to walk through the door of the law office with, any their, with law, their partner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's great to see too. That is good. Um, you don't have to go to an approved. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> you know, right. Like, yeah. 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 Well, that's good. Um, and, and I will say maybe the biggest shift I've seen is just older, um, older okay. folks that oh, are, yeah. that are coming in with their partners. Um, we, we, we're seeing a lot more of that now, which is, which is great. I mean, that's good. Um, and we're glad Evans and Davis is, you know, making it a point to say, Hey, we're, we're, we're friendly to that. You know, yeah. even, yeah. even now it's still, you have to kind of make that, that distinction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it doesn't take any effort. Um, you know, I, I have, well, you would think, but yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but for, for yeah. some people it might. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I, I, we kind of take the approach that a client is a client and, and whether I love you or whether we don't get along on, on with, with everything, I have some clients that, that love me one day and hate me the next day and, and it's okay. I'm going to give you the same level of service no matter what. Kind of like a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny when you guys were talking earlier, I kept thinking that the way that you two would kind of work together is almost like for me, since I'm a counselor, like I would work with a psychiatrist, like you might yeah. handle the meds and I might handle the counseling. And so it's like collaborative care basically. Yeah. yeah. We, but, but we both know what, uh, you know, what space we we, in it, we right. occupy, exactly. right? We, we don't, I don't step out, even though I could go out and I can be a certified financial planner. I haven't, you know, I've done the studies, but I haven't gotten that designation, but that doesn't make me any more, um, you know, conversant about the law. I, I'd leave that to you guys yeah, and I lean on you out. for that. Yeah. So, well, and, 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 and we vice versa. Same. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just like whether it's one of your patients or one of our clients, like, they, they need a team around them yeah. that's looking out for their best interest. And, and, may, and maybe that means, you know, uh, Jeff says, hey, listen, th- I think this client needs this or, hey, I just want to prepare you. This client's going to give you a hard time about this or whatever it is. They, they don't need the clients don't need to know every single detail about what we think is best for them. They need to know they don't need to know. Jeff and I may have a really in-depth conversation about taxes and, and how this works and how that works, the client would probably zone out and not care about anyways. I might too. Yeah. They, they just need us all taking care of them. Exactly. Um, and, and for the ones that want to participate in every minute detail, great. I welcome that. But a lot of people are busy today, surprisingly. I don't know how that happened, but, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're hiring us for our expertise um, across the board. And so let's do what we're good at, work with their team um, and see if we can make them better off than when they walked in the door. That sounds great. I'm all for that. Certainly. <laughs> Do you have, before we wrap up, did you have anything? No, gosh. I, I, I feel like I've asked all the questions I had. Yeah. It's been great, actually. <laughs> you're, you're letting me off easy. I'm sorry. Well, you have a kid. I kind of feel sorry for you. Uh, well, you, ju- you just barely you have the circles you under your eyes a little. Hey, we're... <laughs> You want to make me? You want you want me to make you really jealous? We're like sleeping twelve hours a night. Oh. So I know, I know. So don't feel don't feel too sorry for. I don't know if you all you all so mad. I threw my yeah, you all can't <laughs> see what just happened. Maybe, but uh, I think we just 
broke some. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I think I might have just broken it. Um, oh, well. So don't feel too sorry for me. <laughs> no, no, I won't. No, it's been great. Anything you wanted to add? No, I, I, I thank you guys for, for letting me come on. And this was a pleasure. This was way fun. Um, and I'd love to do it. Any, anytime you guys need another guest speaker to come bore you about estate planning <laughs> and taxes, I'm your guy. No, I warned you. Time flies, man. We, <laughs> yeah. we, we love to do it, but it's like, you look up at the clock and like, oh man, I still have stuff to do today. <laughs> I got got the rest of my life to do. Well, great Landon. It's, it's great having you here. And, and like I said, we're looking forward to doing this, doing this again. So, cool. uh, we'll, uh, and I want to emphasize to uh, anyone watching, whether clients or prospective clients, uh, you know, if you want, obviously we encourage that you get an estate plan and, and Evans and Davis is going to be our first call. So uh, if you want to get some more information on uh, today's conversation or you're interested in signing up with Little Woods, uh, please visit www.littlewoodsadvisors.com or call 469-406-5191. And uh, you can talk to us and, and maybe even talk to Landon as well. So <laughs> love to. All right. That's great. Thanks. Thanks for coming. We'll see you guys next time.